hello, 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 we meet again. <sighs> you know what I'm gonna say, I'm excited. I am so excited for this because I'm pumped to have it somewhere recorded because I have definitely given this this cool tip, whatever out a lot, um, especially the last couple of months, I want to say. So um, as I've been talking about more of my own, you know, neurodivergency and all that in my own posts, I've noticed that a lot of people as they're reading that they're relating to that more and more. So this, there are definitely people in here who do not have OCD, are not neurodivergent, you know, um, but I find that this tool can be really, really helpful if you have, I don't know, any insecurity at all, which is most of us, you know, or if you have any trauma in the past or anything like that. So whether you're watching today and you know, you're diagnosed OCD, whether you are wondering if you have it, whether you're just someone who feels like you get intrusive thoughts or you feel like thoughts can stick and you don't want them to, um, take what you can from this and tell me what you think as per usual. Am I lagging for anybody else? Because on my end, it is looking very laggy. Can you guys hear me okay? All right. So let's get into it. There's two ways that we tend to mess ourselves up, right? So we either, when it comes to intrusive thoughts or um, insecurities, things like that, we tend to screw ourselves over in two ways. One, we either shove it down and try to say, I don't want to think about this right now. I'm going to distract myself and do something else. Oh no, my video is laggy. I hope that sorts itself out. At least the recording should be okay. But if you need me to repeat anything, definitely let me know in the chat. So we either shove it down and we're like, you know, I, this is an inconvenient thought or um, I can't deal with this, right? I shouldn't be thinking this way, things like that. Um, but the other way we do it is we let it take grow legs and take on a life of its own, right? Where one thing that we're nervous about or an intrusive thought or something like that, the worst case scenario, if you remember my black and white thinking video, that will just grow a life of its own. So before we go into the technique itself, which camp do you tend to fall into? Are you the shove it deep and just try to not think about it and push through and manage everything else first? Or are you someone that you get that intrusive thought and then it's all you can think about it? It just, you ruminate in it. You think of it as a premonition. You know, maybe I'm predicting this. Which camp do you fall into? And I look very Maryland today. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. Got, it's all I can think about. Who are my repressors and who are my growers? Both, it depends on the thing, for sure. And if something is like a lot scarier, obviously we're in the middle of our work day or something, you know, where I bet you can be a repressor. Any of us can be, can repress it down if it's not an appropriate time to process. Let's see. Combo. I always feel like I'm predicting the future. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I fall down a scroll hole to try and avoid. Oh my God, I'm predicting. And sometimes I have to, I have, so it's hard to differentiate. Yeah, definitely. Because then we have evidence, you know, um, I try really hard to shove it down to avoid spiraling that word spiraling. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Usually I try to forget and move on. Sometimes I get obsessed with it. 
and start spiraling. Yep. Okay. So the term spiraling, I don't want anyone to think I am invalidating it because it is a definite thing. But I think today's example will speak on this too. I think that it takes on a form of its own. I think that truly spiraling is something that is so intense and it is something that we're all rightfully trying to avoid. But I think we think the avoiding of the spiraling is spiraling. And then when we claim it, it grows into such. It is a spiral. It is something to, you know, like, oh my God, I can't let myself spiral. But I don't know that spiraling is really what we think it is. I think processing something that's really difficult and experiencing big emotions that come with processing that very difficult thing and feeling very strong and like strongly, you know, feeling upset, feeling out of sorts, out of control. I don't know how upset I'm going to get if I let myself get that upset. I think that is really what we're calling a spiral when really it's just trying to run away and avoid it from getting to that point. And it feels oppressive when we think we're spiraling. But it's just a lot of it is just a really hard thing to process that's going to cause us to not feel the way we want to or not feel present necessarily. Um, fearing the spiral is the spiral itself. Would you guys agree with that? Or have you experienced that, I should say? Where fearing the spiral is a spiral? You know, like, I don't want to let myself go down that way. But then before you know it, you've been down that way for the last hour. So this will really make sense of that, this example. Okay. So Lee Fonbrook, when my therapist explained this to me, I thought it was dumb. I'm not going to lie. I really did. <laughs> so just take it with a grain of salt and wait till the end and it'll make a lot more sense. But she was explaining it to me in the way of, oh my God, this hair is driving me nuts all day. My Zoom earlier too, driving me crazy. Okay. It's behind the ear. We're good. So she explained to me that imagine you're right next to a brook, right? And you're, you're looking at this brook and there's lots of leaves floating by on this brook. And this one leaf just stands out to you. And you don't know why. You don't know why you're so obsessed. You're like, look away. Like, don't look at that leaf. What's wrong with me? Why am I looking at that leaf? But, but what, maybe there's a reason that I'm looking at the leaf. Maybe I should pay closer attention to that leaf. Maybe it's telling me something, but no, I shouldn't be looking at that. And before you know it, you are walking right alongside the damn leaf on the brook, just following it, staring at it this whole time. What started out as not wanting to obsess over the leaf has now become your afternoon activity. And at first I was annoyed at the analogy because I'm like, obviously, like maybe things are important enough to be like that emotional. And that's not saying that it's not. The distinction is an intrusive thought is if it's something that pops into your head and you can't even like, you don't know where it came from and you just want it the hell out of here. That's what we're talking about here. So an example of it in real life, right? She was like, I want you to, instead, I want you to look at that leaf and go, I'm thinking about that leaf because of OCD. I'm thinking about that leaf being different because my brain is wired to do that. 
Or because if you're not, if you don't have OCD, you can say, because I am worried about the outcome, because the past has proven to be scary, because this is new territory, you call out what it actually is that is making you look at this leaf. So an example of this in reality, um, I was painting, you remember when I had the mural in the living room, I did the stencil, I was painting the stencil on and there was like a commercial about uh, a new movie that was coming out. This was around the time that theaters were beginning to open up again. So I, if you ever want to know if Michelle has OCD, go to the movie theater with me. Um, I have a whole process. I have to, basically I have to have a hoodie. I have to be able to put my hair up in the, like put it over my head so that my hair doesn't touch the back seat. Um, I have to tuck my pants into like, I cannot have sandals on. I'm getting anxious talking about it because I'm thinking of being in a movie theater. I hate them. Um, I don't, it's a sensory nightmare for me. I won't even go to ones that don't have leather seats. So needless to say, Nick and I were not big movie patrons even before the pandemic. Like I'd suck it up if I really wanted to see it or a lot of people were going or whatever, but I had my methods. So I said to Nick, did you enjoy going to the movies? Like, you know, was it ever a fun thing for you? Did you, did I basically like, did I prevent you from it? Um, and so, and he was like, yeah, movies are okay. Like they're fun if there's like nothing else to do or it's like rainy day or something. And my immediate intrusive thought, there was no reason for this to be the case. We were not fighting. I was not feeling bad or down or anything to, to predicate this. But my brain goes, Nick's next wife will like the movie theater. Thanks, jerk. Like, what? And in the past, that would have become for me, that would have become, well, why am I saying that? Am I like, <laughs> my brain would have been like, what fiery, awful accident is going to, you know, claim my husband's life that now, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, oh, wait, no, that's not. If he would have married someone new, my brain would have went, is he not interested in me anymore? That would have been the OCD thought. Sorry, brain fart. That would have been the OCD thought was like, you know, is he not interested? Are we even the same anymore? Is our connection the same? And then I would have hyper-focused on how he answered me, how he was around me. What, he, you know, it, it, are things different than they used to be? How many dates have we gone on in the past? It would have taken on a friggin' life of its own. But instead, we did leave on Brooke. And instead I go, you want to know what my brain just did? My OCD brain just went, Nick's next wife will like the movie theater. And then we both laughed about it. And he's like, what the hell? I'm like, I don't know. And then we moved on because there was no reason for it. And here's the thing. In the past, it would have been like, what am I predicting? That would have been a big thing for me, truly. And here, like, what could you do? If you were told, yes, you're predicting it, what would I do different? What, how would I solve this? How would I prevent something from happening there? It would not be within my control. It's not like I was predicting it to like be prepared, you know, just keep an eye out and cause problems in your relationship for the next week because you're hyper-focusing on everything that doesn't exist because you won't acknowledge that that was just an intrusive thought. There's no merit. There's no proof there. There's suspicion, but I can let that grow or not by calling it out as I was just thinking that because OCD it makes it that and then your brain can can rationalize the fact that it's not trying to keep you safe from something that you're not thinking about you have called it out you've established that connection and that quote-unquote threat 
So <clears throat> I ran a low blood sugar right before this call. So if you see me like shaking and fumbling my words, my apple juice is just kicking in just so you guys know. But I mentioned that like what fiery accident's going to claim my husband. That's totally a different intrusive thought. I will, I have to say, you know, drive safe, love you. We could have just been having the worst fight and I'd be like, drive safe, love you. Like I have, you know, because what if, what if it's the last time, you know? So even in that moment, I have to be like, I'm thinking that because of my OCD. I think that anytime Nick leaves anywhere that I'm at because OCD and it helps, you know, it, it doesn't like make it go away where I'm not, I still don't have that there, but it at least gets rid of the feeling. I'm not repressing it. So it comes back up later, but I'm also not letting it become this narrative. That's going to ruin my entire evening when there's nothing I can do. Even if I am right. It's an odd reverse control, if that makes sense. So let's see. Why did I open up Instagram and the first thing is a video of a brook? They're always listening. My brain spits out such random thoughts like this sometimes. It's so ridiculous. It's so rude. Like, I was just painting. <laughs> I'm like, what's so dark? I freak out like that when my husband's late coming home. It's like, oh, no, this is it. Or I don't hear anything for a few hours. Or how about when you have a good moment? And you're like, this has to be the good moment before the tragedy hits. And you're like, what tragedy though? What, why, why is this a lifetime movie? Brains, we can drive ourselves nuts being like, why are you like this? Stop being like this. Or we can just say, I know why you're like this and I don't like it, but that's why you're like this. You know, um, Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your thoughts on this example. Just you call out the thing. This is why I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this because I really want to prevent blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking about this because I uh, have OCD. I'm insecure. I'm nervous. I'm going through a lot right now. Whatever it is, I, my bandwidth is maxed. You know, like you can call it out for the situation. Um, you don't always have to blanket it by OCD. But what I just use that because it's, it's like for a ridiculous thing, like Nick's next wife is going to want to go to the movies. You know, like I'm fair enough. That's OCD. You know, um, I didn't I didn't this last weekend when we were playing Mario. I was like, this is so nice. I hope one of us doesn't get cancer and die soon. I mean, every time we go get blood work, Nick is healthy as an ox. The only time he's needed blood work, the first time Nick ever had to get blood work was when he had to get something checked for like fertility or something. Um, what was it? We were looking for surrogacy. So we had to, he had to do like a whole panel of stuff. Um, and that was the first time he ever needed blood work. And I remember thinking, here's where they tell me that he's dying of a terminal illness. Like, what? Why? Why? Awful. And it's not like you can just think that and it's just a thought. Like you feel it. Like you, I don't know why I wrote myself for that, but like you really feel it. Like, like it's happening, <laughs> you know, and, and that's awful to deal with. Um, and then it could be complete nonsensical, really awful things that are not who you are as a person. I remember <sighs> my old house had bathroom at the top of the stairs. 
And I remember like at night, I just went to use the bathroom. And so like I left the door open. Um, and I remember thinking, visualizing, this is awful, someone kicking my dog down the steps and hearing the dog cry going down the steps and it being dead at the bottom, like, like a split second. I would never hurt my dog. Oh my, like, I would like jump in front of a car for my dog. Like I, but it was like horrific. I couldn't even bring myself to think of like, was it me kicking the dog? Was it someone kicking the dog? Like, why, why does my brain do that? It's really horrifying when you're like, well, I don't want my brain to do that. Well, I want to be born with a trust fund, you know, like I, <laughs> with this, with brains, it's the only thing we can do is rewire our responses. We can't rewire the way that things happen. We can only rewire how our nervous system responds to those messages to be able to have some kind of control on the, on the stress process that follows with it. So the way we do that is we process it. And when you can't process something fully, like you can't sit there and be like, let me really see where this is rooted, you know, or maybe it doesn't have a root, like Nick's wife with the movie theater, you know, like, <laughs> um, but Maybe it's just about taking that second, calling it out, and that's your little micro-processing way of it. And then you can just get through your day because at least it doesn't feel like you're ignoring alarm bells. Because it, it doesn't have to make sense. It just feels that way. So let's see. There were years I considered not allowing my daughter to go to anyone's house or in anyone's car because of this. It's, it's so much. I mean, by the way, like stuff like that, like I could leave on Brooke all I want. I'm still working my nerve up to even drive again, you know, like, so there's going to be stuff that's just out of the scope of this being enough to like fix quote unquote, fix it or like remedy it. Um, it's more so about the urgency of the random thoughts or the insecurities, you know? Um, but I hope you don't feel like you don't think that I want to invalidate that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, um, I get it. How many, has anyone in here? Cause I think agoraphobia is something that that's the right one, right? That's when you don't leave your house. You're afraid of people or outside. Uh, that's a thing that like, see, I don't even know the full actual term of it, but I didn't leave my home for six months after I had had my surgery and not because of the surgery, but because I was told that it was a miracle. Like I wasn't paralyzed with the neck injury that I had for no reason, like nothing injured it. It just happened. Um, so like that just happening and not knowing it, they told me they're like, make sure you break really, really easily when you're on your way home, because any sudden breaking, like we don't know how you're walking in here. So like, don't walk or move as much as you can until surgery. And that messed up, like messed me up. Like it messed me up with driving. I felt like I was about to get into an accident at all times. Like it has been a very long journey. I'm still working on that. Um, so, and I can leaf on Brooke all I want. I'm still going to freak out the first time I drive a car, you know? So I hope no one's feeling invalidated by it, but it like this kind of stuff is really, can be really, really disruptive for sure. My dad actually has a joke he makes that helps me with these thoughts. He jokes, we're all terminal. Oh, it's technically true. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, that we have dark humor. Dark humor is the way I have gotten through 
everything, you know, um, dark humor is the spice of life, but dumbest part of OCD is having these thoughts about past events that could have went wrong as if I'm not literally here. Totally fine. Yes. It's like watching a movie where, you know, the main character is going to be okay. And still being like, Oh my God, I can't watch. Cause you're like the buildup of it all. I've definitely done that as well. Like, Oh my God, imagine if this had happened, if that had happened. And I love that by the way, like trauma is the kind of thing where when you're young, you, you do the craziest stuff and you're like, how did I get, how did I survive? And then you look back on it and you're just like, I don't even want to go buy a roll of toilet paper. I would door dash that, you know, like it's just, a, it's an interesting transition. How we do it, huh? I think back and I'm like, wow. Um, I'm the one where when something good happens, I instantly think of things that will, could sabotage it. Absolutely. Anyone in here get um, like event grief? Like when an event is over, if it's an event you've been looking forward to, or even if you know it's going to come again next year, like after the holidays or after a birthday or just something where you had a great day together. And it's like, you're almost like towards the end of it, you start to get melancholy about it ending. And then you're like, no one else is upset. And you're just sitting there like feeling like you're mourning and you don't know why. CD. Um, well, also trauma. Fair enough. Fair to be fair. That's also just not having evidence of really happy, safe, good memories um, lasting or coming that often when when you're a kid, typically. Um, or OCD. You know, like I'm not gonna lie. I I think like is this the last time I'm gonna see everyone? Like anytime I see someone I don't see often, I can't help it. It sucks. It definitely sucks. poor kitty the thoughts I have when I hold him it, it's like, like and, and you know like we would never hurt anyone and I think that's what makes it so much worse because I guess you wouldn't be that horrified if you were someone capable of doing these kinds of things you know but it'll punch you in the gut and take the breath out of you you know because it's the opposite of who we are my OCD is the worst when driving. I'm always afraid I'm going to kill a pedestrian and they'll pop out of nowhere. I, I agree. I hate that. I like, if there's road work in, you know, my OCD, they didn't just like pop up because of the injury. Like that was like the final nail. I have always been a very uneasy driver. I know this about myself. It's very distracting. It's really a lot for me, you know, sensory wise. My reaction speed isn't, it's either too intense or not intense enough. And whenever I'm around a highly pedestrian area, I swear to God, I, the intrusive thoughts of someone just going up over my windshield as I'm trying to manage all of that. So, and no one talks about it because it's, it's weird to have driving issues, right? But no, I hear this very, very commonly from a lot of clients. Um, my clients who have kids really, really struggle with this, of course, because, you know, they're, they're the, the family Uber. Um, so, and then what do they, they got to take their kids to school and stuff like that. So it's, it causes a lot of issues. It's not only for people who don't drive any longer because of it. It's also the people who still do drive, have a lot to manage. Make sure they're missing anything. 
I do this any, every time anything is ending when a good show is ending. Yes. Do you know that I did not watch the final, the second half of the last season of Shit's Creek? I did not watch that ending. I want to say I recently watched it because I just couldn't, I, I knew what was coming and I couldn't handle it. Yep. Or I'll start shows I love and I'll never just watch the last season, even if I've seen it already, because I don't want to know. Brains. Um, but every time I hit a pothole, I think was that a person didn't, that I didn't see? Did I just kill someone? <laughs> we can laugh, but whew, we can laugh after the fact. <laughs> it is intense. Thank God I live in a big city because I'll never drive. And, you know, that also helped, too, because we had moved somewhere where there was a lot of, um, like, public transportation or we could, I could have Ubered easily. Like, it was a pretty busy area. It was right across the, like, my, the Hudson River was, like, my backyard, essentially. And then New York was right over the other side. So lots of accessibility. I did not leave my house for six months. Threw up when I went to try to get the keys to leave. Um, I actually turned in my lease at that point and I justified it by saying like, I live somewhere with like lots of transportation. I'll be all right. And I just hold up in the house and I just didn't go. And this is like pre pandemic, <laughs> the pandemic happened. I'm like, are you kidding? I did this optionally in the, back in the day, you know? Um, but it's a real thing that a lot of people do not discuss. And even if you do manage to get out of your house, if you have a ton of stress, before leaving that still counts that's still that's still a phobia you know like you're still in some to some capacity facing fear extreme fear that's causing a physical reaction regarding something that still counts so i haven't seen the last season of brooklyn 99 because i didn't know other people did this i didn't know I love this. I don't love that we have to deal with this, but like, yeah, wow, learn something new. You keep double checking the other car and looked like a weirdo and I never touched the car. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. No, I, I get it. Um, weird segue story, the war, like the dumbest car accident I've ever gotten. Because like I said, wasn't even a great driver even before I stopped driving. So not like it came out of left field, but um, I, I came down the shore to visit family. And for some reason, because I was a child and I tanned extremely easily, I, I refused to accept that that has changed for me in adulthood. And I went on the beach with no sunscreen and I got humbled. I got humbled. I had blisters everywhere it was so atrocious i couldn't even walk standing straight like like with my legs fully stretched and extended um my arms i couldn't like touch my arms down to my sides and i had to go teach cake like three cake classes in the summer in a hot kitchen in like a chef coat which is not soft i don't know why they're never soft it seems like an oversight but um i was backing out of a spot that day after a very long excruciating day and I guess like I couldn't fully extend to fully see behind me all the way. And I had an SUV, sure, put me in an SUV. And I backed up into a kid's customized Honda Civic that was like dropped. 
So it was low. So it went like right under my bumper. And I just backed right into it. Like I was ripping out of the parking lot because I just wanted to go home and take a shower and go to sleep. That sucked. That sucked so bad. I took off as like the bumper. I was like, damn, Nissan. Okay. But driving is just a nightmare for me. I hate it so much. So I hope that helped my ridiculous, ridiculous story. Like my insurance was higher for like the dumbest reasons. I got a ticket speeding five miles over, um, bringing soup to my friend who had their wisdom teeth taken out. And then like, I hit that guy's bumper because of a sunburn. Like just, I can't. Me trying to get remote options at school before the pandemic existed because I couldn't leave my house. You know, like the staying home part wasn't the hardest part of the pandemic for a lot of us. I feel really bad saying that because of all the loss and all of the horrible things that have happened as a result. But at, at the core of it, I don't know. It felt like the world got a little bit smaller in a way and it felt a little bit safer. And even though that was really messed up, because it was like literally the opposite at that time. But it's a crazy thing to look back on and know that I, a lot of my clients have shared the same sentiment and we don't talk about it collectively, you know, in terms of how it affects each of us. I think a lot of that also has to do with who had it worse, you know, but um, I think before the pandemic, those of us who were struggling with feeling homebound. Um, it was like the one period of time where we're like, all right, did this, you know? The only ticket I've ever gotten was speeding an area that I didn't even need to go to or know the speed limit because I got my friend's address mixed up. That was just, that was the day. So someone met their quota that day, you know? Maybe think of it as good karma. <laughs> but um all right last thing about this is the real task is rewiring the biggest the, the two parts of this that are the most challenging is remembering to do it and then not being mad at yourself that you have to do it like having to remember to do your leaf on brook and not allow yourself to either go down the route of it growing legs and taking on a life or it getting pushed down until it consumes you later you know like to remember to stop that when this has been your mode isn't going to be easy it's going to take some repetition you know and a lot of clients are like oh i wish i wasn't doing so badly at this and i'm like you're not doing badly you're practicing like athletes don't get like one practice and they're like you better be as good as you need to be you did it once no excuses you know like Think of all of the things like I wrote, I rattled off a couple of things here. You've had a certain inner dialogue for how many years, you know, and what safety were you taught as a kid? And I don't mean like the most extreme abusive situations. I mean, like, okay, uh, did you have hypercritical parents? Did you have uh, troubled siblings? Did you, did your parents, you know, were they never around a lot? Or did you move a lot? Like there are things that safety comes in a lot of different forms and consistency looks different for a lot of different situations. You know, um, dinner scarcity. Um, how about being parentified, being responsible for the your parents being in better moods than they were in as a child, having to pick up on those nuances. 
all of those things have taught us a very, very highly tuned in inner dialogue. And we've had that going in there for how long? How many, you know, each of us are a different age, but all these years you had a different dialogue playing. The biggest thing to remember is you're not going to believe it before the rewiring. And the only way to rewire it is to repeat the, the logical, the new information you're getting to try and replace that old dialogue. So a lot of times we wait to believe it before we really commit to trying to change it. And that just isn't going to happen. It has to be the other way around. You know, once you start to continue, like catch yourself and like, oh, nope, leaf on brook, you know, and you keep doing that, you won't have to continue doing it as much. You'll just, it'll become instinctive, but like an athlete practicing, they don't become instinctive and good at what they're doing until they repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And if they beat themselves up for needing to repeat it, they would never get to where they need to be. It's the same, like with everything, it just takes and and justified to be annoyed by it and to not wish that it took that much. It's justified to have feelings associated with this. That is a whole different thing, but the thinking we shouldn't need to keep repeating this, or we shouldn't need to do these things. That's not going to help us any. Of course, I wish none of us needed to, but here I am, you know? So, um, okay, last question for you then. Has the way that things have built up for you stemming from an intrusive thought or an insecurity or something you don't want to voice to a partner, a colleague, whatever, historically, how long does that take for you to bubble up and actually have it impact what you're doing? Like, screw this, I quit this job or I'm moving, or I'm never talking to them again. You know, like what, what is your lead up? Like, what is your, like, finally this, this comes out. How does it come out for you? Once, once you in the past have let this cycle happen and it builds and it doesn't get processed. How does it eventually come out? This will be different for everybody. Might be a journaling topic for some, but How does your eventual meltdown processing of this, when it finally does come, how does that come to a head? A a gigantic crying fest. It makes me late to stuff. Mm -hmm. And that could be just because we're going through it and we're, you know, we're having a reaction to it. That could be just because time blindness gets kicked up when we're stressed. So it's not even we don't even know that we're running and all of a sudden everything's discombobulated for sure. Full on anxiety attack. And all of these reactions and responses are all stemming from the same place. And that is not feeling safe. So there's so much going on right now in the world and in our lives and at everybody's different point in life. Right. And they're not feeling well, all of that. The only thing that can help is jumping in and calling out the threat. It's like you're calling it out and you see it before it has a chance to sneak up on you and decide when the hell it gets you. You know, so if it feels scary to do the leaf on the brook, to stop what you're doing and really focus on it and be like, that's why I'm thinking that. Okay, I'm going to think about it. And in a few minutes, I won't care. I'll move on. You know, like stopping to do that. It might seem silly that it's scary, but it's okay if it is. It's the only way we have control to work on stuff that we are used to 
running from, avoiding, or letting it be our sabotager. You're breaking that cycle now. So start with Leaf on Brook, repeat it, try to change that thought process. And if you need any help, you feel alone, you don't know how the hell to use this, please text me. You're always, always welcome to keep me in a loop and let me, you know, walk you through this tool in your specific example. All right. So I hope this helped. And I hope that um, I hear back from you guys about how great it is using it. But enjoy your night and I'll talk to you all soon.